0: Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 14. The Drabblecast is a weekly short fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. I wanted to start off today's story with the first ever Drabblecast Poetry Corner. It's the Drabble Poetry Corner. If you've got a drably poem that you're just dying to share with the world, send it in. I'll throw it on. Even better, if you want to read your own poem yourself and send it to me at goatkeeper at com as an mp3, that'll be even cooler. Otherwise I'll probably just end up reading it with a pretentious quasi-British accent thing. So, there you go. Today's poem is The Lost Pirate by Lindsay Anderson. Tis treasure I seek on this cold snowy day, but I've lost my map, new plans I must lay. It all started out, I knew my goal, but somehow I've strayed into the North Pole. I'm out of my league, never sought treasure here, my pirate friends at home would all point and jeer. If they knew what I've done, that I've lost my way, that there's no chance I'd find treasure today. I long for the palm trees, the warm ocean breeze, but I'm catching a cold. Listen to me sneeze. The snow falls heavy. It fills me boots. There aren't even any enemies in sight to shoot. What am I doing? Why am I here? I should be at home, by the fire, drinking beer. No wandering alone. But wait, what's this I see? A giant red X on the ground before me. I start to dig. My fingers are numb. Perhaps it would be worth it to lose a frostbitten thumb. If the treasure be jewels, silver or gold, tales of my success would never go untold. I could afford that new compass and that new map, some fine leather boots and a three-cornered hat. As I dig even deeper, snow to my beard, I begin to rethink what I'm trying to do here. How will I get this treasure to me, ship? And where is the treasure? I've been digging so long, so long and fervently. But wait, I hear it calling. The treasure, it's calling to me from somewhere, somewhere in the ground, calling me to find it, obtain it, make it mine, mine, I say. I drop the shovel, fingers in the frozen ground, grasping, it's louder and louder still I want the treasure but I realize too late I have sealed my own fate the hole is too deep the walls are too steep and the snow's falling harder and the sky grows darker I'm with Lindsay screw rhyme schemes Today's story is called Mouse by Oscar Jackson. Oscar lives in Roanoke, Virginia, and is a staunch supporter of Death Mole. Where were you last week, Oscar? Your vote could have made a difference. Anyways, without further ado, Mouse by Oscar Jackson. You've heard it said that nature's a foul mistress. She'd as soon slit your throat, take your keys, and go to Vegas to spend your hard-earned dough on wine, women, and cheap Elvis impersonators as give you fare for the community bus. That's a pretty accurate description if you ask me. Hi, I'm a mouse, and my name is... well, it's Mouse. Fortunately, nature gave me so little intelligence that the act of actually giving myself a personal name would raise philosophical questions so grand regarding my own self-awareness that my brain would probably implode first. Well, I guess that's not really fortunate, but you get the point. I could regale you with my whole sad tale, but instead let me give you just one quick example of what it feels like to have the whole universe hate your guts, or want to eat your guts. I woke up this morning from the usual unsettling night of sleep filled with nightmares of hawks, serpents, cats, dogs, spiders, fat human females with brooms, and giant, singing, carnivorous plants. Blinking sleepily, I realized that I was still alive, which meant I had to get through another painful day of existence. Briefly, I contemplated trying to chew through my own chest cavity to end it all, but realized almost immediately that to do so would require a neck, which I don't have. Rolling off the large pile of round pellets that had erupted from my hindquarters during the night, no doubt during some moment of nightmare peril, I peeked out from the three week old instant Thai noodle box that was my latest home. The place smelled like baby diapers, rotten whale bile, and cabbage, but I really couldn't be picky. I just hoped the smell would keep predators off. The agenda of the day was pretty much the same as every day look for food, try not to die. Find a female mouse that didn't look like it had been beaten with an ugly stick. But hey, who can be picky these days, huh? First things first, though. I had to find some grub. Darting from my nest, I hurried to the remains of an old, fake Christmas tree. Shaking with fear already, I panted silently, visions of grisly death flitting through my mind. Suddenly, I caught scent of what the lowest of the low would consider food. It was definitely old and rotten, but my mind can only categorize things into edible and inedible. There's not much that fits into the inedible list, so it was quite easy for me to ascertain that whatever the aroma was, it was in the running for the first meal of the day. Following my nose, which happened to be agitated at the time by my own fur, I hurried toward the scent. At long last, after many panted stops, I arrived at a place where I could survey a broad area and see the source of the enchanting smells. It was none other than an old slice of pizza pie. To call it a slice, I guess, is a bit of exaggeration. What it was, really, was the remains of a molding piece of crust with bits of what may have been once called cheese, now more hair, flecked all over it. There were no visible pieces of meat left, but it was likely that the protein-rich grease from the flesh of some beast had been soaked up by the bread, at least. Twitching uncontrollably from ravaging hunger, I hurried toward the prize. Upon reaching the pizza, I grabbed a mouthful and hurried to the nearest shelter, a broken high chair. Rapidly chewing the food, I could feel another bout of acid reflux kicking in. God, not again, I thought. Seriously, what does nature expect me to do? Try to forge a well-balanced diet? I don't think so. So I swallowed back the pain and the last remains of my meal and scampered back to the pizza again. After several trips back and forth, my belly gorged on mold and bread. I was ready for the next part of my to-do list. Fortunately, I have quite the knack for hearing and smelling and was already aware of an old alley cat that was lounging on the mat in the front of the pizza place. I didn't know the cat's name, but I knew it had killed countless family members. Some had been for nourishment, but for the most part, the cat just liked to kill things. It had been blessed with lightning-quick speed, a mean temperament, claws and fangs, all of which it uses pretty much exclusively to dismember anything that looks like me. To say I had enough sense to get out of there pronto isn't exactly fair. You see, I'm a mouse, and I'm pretty much programmed to run from anything that moves, or could potentially move. Us mice are big fans of things that stay still, with the exception of giant carnivorous plants. For the next several hours, I ran from one hiding place to another. On occasion, I stumbled upon some morsel of food, but for the most part, I pretty much just practiced scampering. You see, eventually, the tension of one hiding place becomes so pronounced that you just gotta get out of there. It's like even the wall might come to life and try to eat you. So you scram and you try to find a place with a nicer-looking wall. Upon one such move, I stumbled upon what could be considered a mate. She had a stump where her tail should have been. Uh, From the looks of it, the tail hadn't been severed by a blade or a claw, but had been torn off by continuous tugging, like it had been caught in or under some contraption. The she-mouse looked to be eight or nine months old. That's getting up there in mouse years, but she was still attractive. Puckish young teenage mice would have considered her a flim, a female likely interested in mating. Her fur was skillfully matted, greasy, and uncomely. Her front teeth were alluringly gawky and yellowed, and she still had a pleasant, lumpy physique, even though it was apparent she had birthed her fair share of ugly, naked mouselings. I don't mean to brag, but I've always been pretty good with the ladies, and it wasn't long before I had said all the right things and seduced the stump-tailed flim into steaming, nauseating coitus. Whether the she-mouse would survive long enough to birth the young, or how many of the bastard children would survive, isn't really my concern. I'm just following the steps in the dance they call the Circle of Life Baby. By this time, it was nearing noon, and I was hungry again. A light breeze blew through the alley, and I stood up on my hind legs to smell the wind for nearby food. Finding none, I reluctantly decided to go back to the heartburn-inducing pizza crust, hoping some still remained. Having just coupled with a smoking female, there was an extra skip in my step, maybe even a few brief flashes of gratitude for life. They weren't long-lasting by any stretch of the imagination, but already I'd pretty much done everything expected of me for the day, and it was only noon. Proud of myself, I figured I'd grab another bite to eat and then head back to the box of Thai noodles and call it a day. Thinking back, I probably should have been paying better attention. If there's one moral lesson you pull from this story, try to remember not to be so preoccupied with your successes that you overlook circling shadows of avian doom. Razor-sharp beak, night-vision eyesight, and a powerful taloned kung-fu grip, falcons can and have ended many a mouse's life with very little effort. I imagine he had no trouble spotting me, bloated on moldy crust and smug alpha mouse masculinity. I guess a human observer would have said, it all happened in the blink of an eye. Fortunately for me, a human blink is considerably longer than a mouse blink. If the falcon had attacked me in a mouse blink, I wouldn't be sitting here telling you this story. A human blink is just enough time to dodge. The falcon must have been off his game or something today. Miscalculating a sluggish strike like that, the attack managed to hurl me across the alley into a large pile of rusted metal pipes. I was glad to be out of harm's way for the time being, but had a painful throbbing sensation in my right arm. I looked over to see my arm... gone. It had been shorn off somehow, either by the rusty pipe edge or by one of the falcon's talons. I peeked outside the pipe, and there it was, twitching on the floor. That's when I decided to take a step back and just try to look at my life, you know? All existential-like. I figured I could get a better perspective on things if I told my story to you. Maybe see the big picture or something. It's better than just sulking and shedding little mouse tears in this pipe, isn't it? Sure, being a mouse sucks. I'm not going to deny that. It really sucks. But hey, maybe tomorrow will be better, eh? I don't know. I've only got three legs now, and I can barely move. Uh, It's probably not going to get any better. Well, that was our story. I hope you liked it. That's all for this week. Tune in next week for episode 15 of the Drabblecast. In the meantime, check out NormSherman.com for some sweet tunes, and if you're over 18, check out Flim.com for some sexy adult female mouse pictures. I'm your host, Norm Sherman, reminding you to watch out for walls and giant carnivorous plants, especially the ones that the sing. Closing, the waitress turns chairs upside down, piano player picks up his tip jaw and drink, and the bartender shouts last round. Hour ago this place was loaded.